Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Nault here with another Ask Me Anything episode. This is audio pulled from my weekly Facebook Live, which you can catch every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central at facebook.com slash the Clovis culture. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Each and every review counts. It really, really helps, and it means the world to me. Thank you so much. As always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis, and I am in the business of impacting people's lives for the better. I have helped over 500 people just like you transform their health and wellness, and I want to work with you. To prove it, I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial, which will give you full-blown access to all of the members-only content that Clovis has to offer, free for a full seven days. Just visit IamClovis.com slash start, S-T-A-R-T, IamClovis.com slash start. You will find some videos of yours truly, and you will find some incredible testimonies from some of my Clovis clients. You will be shocked by the unbelievable stories that these brave individuals have to tell. Stories of full-blown life transformation. 50 pounds in 8 weeks, 40 pounds in 60 days, 21 pounds in 19 days, 100 pounds in 6 months. You name it, I've got somebody that's done it. Check out IamClovis.com start and get started with your free trial today. If you'd like to check out my physical products, I am offering you a very special deal on the Perfect Paleo Powder, 30% off your first purchase. In fact, that 30% discount will be applied to your entire cart for your first purchase at IamClovis.com. Head over to IamClovis.com, check out the Perfect Paleo Powder and all the other products that I have available, and you will get 30% off your first purchase. Just use promo code Perfect podcast, all one word, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Perfect podcast, all one word. Apply this discount code at checkout and you will receive 30% off your entire first order. Just visit IamClovis.com to grab this special deal. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? It's Justin. Welcome to Live Ask Me Anything, number 63. I need more fingers for that. Number 63. This is crazy. This one was super last minute. I'm freaking out a little bit because there's a lot I want to fit into this, and I've been working on it nonstop because it popped in my head, and I literally have been prepping this one for like the last maybe 90 minutes, just trying to cram a whole bunch of stuff into my brain and a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be crammed into your brain because I feel like this is really important and we need to talk about it, okay? First things first, Facebook check. As you can see, we're on the whiteboard again this week, which means I need to make sure that all my fancy tech is working correctly. So I'm gonna click the videos button. I'm gonna make sure we're live. Yes, we're live, okay. Uh, this looks pretty good. Could be a little bit closer, I guess. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do that. Hold on, let's do this. It's gonna get a little bit shaky, guys, because I haven't done this in a while. It's been a couple weeks since we've gone live here. Let's see if that looks a little bit better. I'm gonna see what happens. Let's see. It's gonna be a little closer. All right, maybe. Checking. Wow, it's significantly delayed on my screen. I didn't realize that. It's like way behind, which is cool. No problem. I'm gonna move this microphone 
We're live. What's up? Let's say hi to some people while this adjusts. We got Stephanie, we got Shannon, we got Jackie, we got Jessica, Laura, Cindy, lovely, Judy, all you beautiful people. This is great. I wish I could see all of you. Um, nah, all right. This is gonna work. It's gonna work for this week. It looks all right, guys, right? Does it look okay? I don't know why I look. I feel like it looks different than other AMAs. There's a lot of wall space here. But anyway, let's move on. So this one popped in my head for a number of reasons because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with science right now. Science, 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 science. And I know that this is gonna be backing myself into a corner a little bit because I talk about science a lot. But the fact of the matter is most nutrition science is terrible, really bad, okay? So bad that uh, Dr. Peter Atia once said it in one of his podcasts where he was like, we know without beyond a shadow of a doubt that nutrition science is basically bottom of the barrel in terms of good science. And we're gonna get into the reasons why that is. I talked about this in another episode of AMA called Bad Science. Um, definitely worth checking out for different reasons. That's gonna be di very different than this one. This one has a lot of my personal opinions put into it, okay? So this is something that I say to you guys when you're in Clovis. I really like critical thinkers, okay? I like critical thinkers. I am not a follower. I don't, I don't, I can't even have a boss, all right? I am a serial entrepreneur and performing musician because I would be a terrible employee. I can't even have a boss. I have to think for myself all the time. Now, innovators think for themselves. Other people follow. It's the same reason why I get so mad when people ask me for meal plans. I'm like, no, you need to think for yourself, right? You need to learn these skills. So this is what I've done here. And as I was thinking about it, I was talking to my voice memo. I had a day jam-packed schedule. I'm driving home like, I need to talk about this on AMA. And I'm talking into my voice memo, just like all these thoughts that I have based on these observations that I've been making. So fair warning, there is going to be a lot of opinion in this. And maybe more people will attack me on social media. That'll be fun. Hey, guess what, people? I don't care about your credentials. Really don't really don't, okay? So let's jump in. First things first, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin Nault, and I am the CEO and founder of Clovis. I invented a line of protein powders in this kitchen where I have bone broth cooking right now, by the way. Um, the Perfect Paleo Powder is a line of paleo-friendly and keto-friendly protein powders slash superfoods. And I'm a certified nutritional therapist, certified specialist in sports nutrition, certified specialist in fitness nutrition, and I help people get healthy. It's what I do. One of those online guys. Awesome, right? Okay, so let's see. That's a big comment there. Seems like an exciting time to be into nutrition science. It's starting to gain legitimacy and momentum, and I'm excited to see how the next few years shakes out. Yes, I said this once in an early AMA, and I don't think people fully understood what I meant. This was maybe AMA like four or five, where I was like, listen, I'm still the crazy guy. I didn't have 600 plus clients with success stories yet. I was just starting out. I was four to five weeks into this thing back last February or whatever, March. And I just explained, hey, I just want you to know that everything I'm telling you right now is going to be mainstream eventually, but it's not mainstream right now. The odd thing about that is the personal trainers, the meatheads, the bodybuilders of the world, the one that keep, keep coming after me. Um, bodybuilders have been some of the most notorious innovators in the health and wellness space. They never waited for nutritional studies. They just tried things that work. So I actually have a huge amount of respect for that world and everything. But now we have this thing where these guys are just cemented and they just won't think outside the box when like all bodybuilders have done throughout time is think outside the box. And now they're frozen, which is really, really weird. It doesn't make much sense. I just think that those guys don't know the history of bodybuilding. Uh, but anyway, we're getting off track here. So we're going to talk about nutrition science. And I think that, that as Jackie says, a lot of this stuff is going to come out 
over the next couple of years. Absolutely, 100% without a doubt. So, um, Shannon, it might be your connection. Yeah, I'm, I'm clear on my side. I always get nervous when people tell me technical stuff, but it looks fine on mine. So um, anyway, yes, so a lot of this stuff is gonna come out over the coming years, but the issue is, as you'll see in here, it's very, very hard to fundraise for these things, costs a lot of money, and most of the clinical studies in the world are funded by pharmaceutical companies. So that's a real problem. I'm not gonna get too, too conspiracy theory in this one. Let's just dive in, let's see what happens, okay? You guys ready to go? Let's see. So why did this episode happen? There's a couple pieces of inspiration that led to this episode. One, I did an Instagram live video on Monday about this freaking egg study that people has been shared on CNN, it's been shared on MSNBC, all this nonsense been shared all over the place. This idea that eating eggs, yet again, the cholesterol will give you cardiovascular disease, which is nonsense. I'm gonna get, to get, get into that. So that happened. I was also inspired by some stuff that happened on social media this past week. If you guys are in the Clovis Academy, you know what I'm talking about. Not even gonna give those people the time of day that did these things that they did. Um, but everybody keeps yelling at me about evidence and scientific data and blah, blah, blah. The third thing is Rob Wolf posted a really good video about autophagy that really made my brain spin and made me go off in this whole other direction of thinking of other things because he spawned that thought in my head and then I just kind of ran with it, right? So I started taking notes. Um, anyway, let's jump into this. So the first thing I mentioned here is this god-awful egg story. So I've actually put up a couple of, uh, I've left some tabs open, which I normally don't do. I just wanna make sure I get the names of things right. Um, so the name of this article is actually in, now this is in the, the Journal of America, the Journal of the American Medical Association, okay? So this was published in JAMA, Amazon, CNN, MSNBC, Apple.com, the Apple's news website, all this stuff, right? Now, the original article is titled Associations of Dietary Cholesterol or Egg Consumption with Incident Cardiovascular Disease and Mortality. All right, make sure I got a marker here. That's what it's called. But what we got instead online, now this is the headline I pulled directly from CNN. Quote, three or more eggs a week increase your risk of heart disease and early death, study says. End quote. Wow, that's a very scary headline. Very scary, I better click that title. I better read that article, right? Because I'm a research scientist. That very suspiciously clickbaity title, I should totally click that, right? So let's dig a little bit deeper. What were the results of this study? So they claimed that each additional 300 milligrams of dietary cholesterol. Now notice how I'm saying 300 milligrams of dietary cholesterol. We haven't even gotten to eggs yet. I don't know where the hell the eggs come into play in this thing. I still can't figure it out after reading the study, right? So they claim that each additional 300 milligrams of dietary cholesterol consumed per day was significantly associated, significantly associated with higher risk of incident cardiovascular disease. Okay, so significantly associated with cardiovascular disease. Okay, this is a crappy marker. How much so? They said increased risk of 3.24. Let me see if I can get a better marker. 3.24% higher risk, okay, of cardiovascular disease. Then they said all-cause all mortality. Increased all-cause mortality, 4.43%. Okay? So cardiovascular disease, 3.24%, all-cause mortality, 4.43%. They blame the eggs. Again, even though we're just talking about 300 milligrams of cholesterol that they're saying is, again, in, 
significantly associated. It's hilarious to even say, it's not causation, it's barely even, there is no correlation here. It's insane, right? Then they said, for each additional half an egg consumed per day was significantly associated with higher risk of incident CVD, 1.11% and all-cause mortality, 1.93%. Super scary stuff, right? This is crazy. Wait for it. The last line of the results of this study, as you can read directly on jamanetwork.com, says, quote, the associations between egg consumption and incident cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality were no longer significant after adjusting for dietary cholesterol consumption. What? The headline says eggs. The headline literally says eggs will increase your risk of heart disease, right? And they say, flat out, the associations between egg consumption and incident CVD and all-cause mortality were no longer significant after adjusting for dietary cholesterol consumption. This meaning total dietary cholesterol consumption in the rest of the diet. Those increases drop from these numbers to these numbers. Minus 0.46% for cardiovascular disease and 0.71% for all-cause mortality. Not true, not true, not true, not true. These are the actual numbers that we work with, which show no, no longer significant, literally. The associations between egg, I'm reading it, right? The associations between egg consumption and incident cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality were no longer significant, okay? Wait, what? How the hell did this article even make headlines? How? And how did it get shared by so many people? It's absolutely mind-numbing to me. It's, it's as if nobody read this whatsoever. And we do know that living in 2019, the attention span is extremely short. For instance, if you own a website like I do, if your website takes more than three seconds to load, some 90% of users will exit the website before it loads. Less than three seconds. That's the attention span you have. So people clickbait this title and then they share it. And a lot of vegans shared this, of course, for obvious reasons, without actually reading the data, okay? So we know the data showed no significant increase in risk from consuming eggs, none whatsoever, but they ran with the headline anyway. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Surely there was some solid evidence and a reason why they would print this, right? Let me tell you how the study was performed. I'm going to read it directly from the article. Again, individual participant data was pooled from six prospective U.S. cohorts using data collected between March 25th, 1985 and August 31st, 2016. Self-reported diet data was harmonized using a standardized protocol. Self-reported diet data. This means food questionnaires. All of the data from this study was gathered by them asking people what they eat. Hardly controlled science. Now, I'm trying to find the details on this, but what I had heard about this study was that they asked people what they ate over the course of the month from memory, right? Crazy. Oh, and by the way, they controlled for exactly zero variables, particularly other variables very well known to impact risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality. Let me give you a few. Smoking, exercise, alcohol consumption, sweet, uh, sleep quality, metabolic health, 
prior risk of cardiovascular disease, hydrogenated oil intake, sugar intake, soda intake, cholesterol blood panels, occupation, stress levels, and on and on and on. None of these controlled for. It's one of the most laughable studies I've ever seen. You control for none of that and then somehow decide that eggs, this whole thing hangs on eggs. We just simply decided eggs, right? So of all the variables listed, they saw adjusted risk stay virtually the same and somehow concluded that the number of eggs eaten per day is significantly associated with higher risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality. How? Somebody tell me how. How did they jump that Grand Canyon-sized gap from data to conclusion? How? By this lot, there's no causation, first and foremost, as I've taught you guys in the Bad Science episode. You cannot prove causation without a double-blind placebo-controlled study, without randomized clinical trials. You cannot prove causation. It's impossible, right? And this very weak correlation, if any, because there's no statistical significance here, right? So as, as they said, nothing significant. By this logic, you literally could have chosen any other metric that the subjects who had heart episodes experienced. Maybe they were all divorced. Maybe they were all bitten by dogs when they were children. Maybe they were all Scorpios. Maybe they all had brown hair. Why was there no headline that said being a brunette significantly increases your risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality? That would have been just as accurate of a headline as three eggs per week increases your risk of cardiovascular disease. It's absolutely insane. And the reason for this is there are no guidelines for nutritional trials. None. The same way there are for inventions like devices or drugs in pharmaceutical companies, there's guidelines for trials doesn't exist in the nutrition space, okay? So there's a quote from a woman named Kelly Pritchett, who's a nutrition and exercise scientist at Central Washington University. She says, quote, nutrition research is a difficult task given all the extraneous variables that need to be controlled. Therefore, it's important to take into account or control for as many of these variables as possible, i.e. anything that affects our diet, sleep, living situation, time of year, activity levels, medical history. Think about this, guys. There's so much to control, it's nearly impossible. How would you do that? It would have to be like the movie Biodome with Pauly Shore. That's the only way you do it. You either need to perfectly replicate the environment and put them in a dome and control everything, or you have to do what's called a metabolic ward study, okay? That's the only way you can do any kind of gold standard clinical studies with nutrition. So what happens in these studies is the diet studies are conducted in a sterile lab where everything from caloric intake to exercise to sleep of each participant is under complete control of the scientist conducting the experiment. But obviously, that's not very simple. It's damn near impossible, right? Because even when we get these, they're highly disappointing. Why? Because they cost tens of millions of dollars to do. It's absolutely insane. Nusi tried to do a bunch of these, right? So you, first of all, you need to put people in the metabolic ward pay for everything, pay for the scientists, pay for everything, right? Now, what happens is every now and then we get metabolic ward studies. And then they're, study, they're cited over and over and over and over. But because they're so expensive, we'll talk about the length of that. So people will say things like, well, they put subjects in a metabolic ward for two whole weeks, 14 whole days. Half the patients ate a caloric surplus that was high carb. And half the subjects ate a caloric surplus that was high fat. And both gained the same amount of body fat. See, calories in, calories out. Calories are all that matters, right? 
14 days in, and I know nothing about the metabolic health of any of those subjects. This is crazy, okay? Now, what if we perform that same study for six months? Well, considering these few-week metabolic studies can run 10 to $13 million, first of all, we would go broke trying to do this, right? But my personal opinion is if we kept those studies up with those same dietary values for six months, the results would probably be very, very different. Again, my opinion, not an expert, not a doctor, okay? In fact, nutrition changes in populations can have impacts for generations. Weston A. Price has documented this with his work. I've talked to you guys about it before called transgenerational changes. A mom with a poor diet can have an insulin resistant baby, right? Things like that. We know these to be true. So what happens is the metabolic wards, too difficult, too expensive, all this stuff, not to mention finding volunteers that would live in isolation for a study like that for years. Cause a lot like that one we talked about today was from 1985 to 2016. You can't put somebody in a metabolic ward for 30 years or whatever. You just, it's not gonna happen, you know what I mean? So instead, what we get is food questionnaires, like this egg study. Little pieces of paper that ask the subjects what they ate for that week or that month, and they're expected to recall from memory, oh, and they're also expected to be honest. Hmm, wait a second. You're asking people about something as private as nutrition. How many women have lied to you about what they ate? How many men have lied to you about what they ate? happens all the time, right? So how far off is the data? Well, a paper published in 2013 that I found on PubMed um, that is called, let me get the name of this. Validity of U.S. Nutritional Surveillance, National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, Caloric Energy Intake Data. Okay, in case you wanted to know the name of that. So what they found was they looked at almost four decades of results from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. They called it NHANES, okay? The big, this is the big US government database on diet. And they compared what people said they ate and how much they'd need to eat to simply stay alive, okay? And their findings, quote, across the 39 year history of the NHANES, the energy intake data, how many calories were consumed, on the majority of respondents, 67.3% of women and 58.7% percent of men were not physiologically plausible. Let me be clear on that. 39 years of history of food questionnaire studies. The responses from 67% of women and 58% of men were physiologically not plausible. That is, if people ate what they said they ate, they would have died. Whoa. Okay? In other words, more than half the data after 39 years is demonstrably wrong. And that's not even counting people who were overeating. What are we doing here? What are we doing here with these food questionnaires? It's absolutely insane. And then we're telling people how to be healthy on this. So let's talk about why I'm so upset about this. I'm doing a time check real quick. Because the other day, something occurred to me. So I'm, again, I always have extensive show notes. I'm gonna share this in the show notes for you guys. But Rob Wolf did a little YouTube video from his kitchen talking about autophagy and how autophagy kind of pisses him off. So, and I gotta say, I'm with him there a little bit. I don't wanna get negative here, right? But once I started talking about fasting, right? The second I put out a fasting episode, I got hit with so much 
correspondence, email, messages, social media, everything, just fasting, fast. everybody wants to fast, 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 right? But remember, you guys are already Clovis. Everybody forgets that when I did the fasting episode, I'm like, you can get 70% of these benefits just by being Clovis and eating normal food, right? So autophagy being the cleaning up of cells, replacing malfunctioning parts in the cells. I'm not gonna get into that today. But so Rob releases this video on autophagy and why it annoys him a bit that everyone is so obsessed with it via prolonged fasting. So as he details, and he's correct about this, it's the same thing with intermittent fasting, the types of people interested in cellular autophagy and apoptosis, generally speaking, are like me. The people who don't really need it. See what I'm saying? Nerds who are already super healthy, probably at very low risk of any chronic disease. So the reason why I say this is because as Rob pointed out, in a perfect world, the human body is healthy by default. Our normal state is healthy, but in America, that is not true. In anywhere who's adopted a westernized diet, it's not true. Normal is sick. Normal is not healthy, okay? So this is the tricky part. People are only obsessed with things like autophagy because we're already sick. We wouldn't need it if we weren't. So for example, cancer prevention is often cited as a reason for autophagy and apoptosis. You wanna kill those precancerous cells. Well, cancer doesn't make us sick. We get cancer because we're chronically sick. You see? There's chronic illness happening. There's metabolic dysfunction happening that leads to this crazy growth of cells, right? We shouldn't be that way. Cancer is a modern problem. There were no hunter-gatherers dropping dead of cancer 11,000 years ago. They didn't need extra autophagy to prevent such things. They didn't have an app on their phone going, start fast and end fast out in the jungle because they wanted autophagy and apoptosis to prevent cancer that everyone was dying of. This is a modern thing, okay? Us, if us humans hadn't messed things up so badly over the last 10,000 years with agriculture, then we wouldn't need diets and protocols to begin with. We wouldn't even be discussing autophagy, okay? So this got my wheels spinning and they were spinning hard. So I started poking around the history of nutrition studies. Let me show you some stuff. So people have had hypotheses about food and nutrition and things like this, but we couldn't really study them in any clinical setting until very, very recently. So the first vitamin was isolated and chemically defined in 1926. So first vitamin. The first vitamin was isolated and chemically defined in 1926, less than 100 years ago. Now, the research on the role of nutrition in chronic disease, literally everything that Clovis is and everything that I talk about every single week, all of the research on the role of nutrition in chronic disease is only about three decades old. Most of it is younger than I am. What? Let's think about that for a second, okay? So this significantly ramped up, this research science on the, the role of nutrition in chronic disease significantly ramped up after the year 2000. Now, after the year 2000, okay? So let's say that, like um, after the year 2000, all right? Just some numbers. I know I'm just talking and putting random numbers up here, but it's helping me think. So after the year 2000, these nutritional studies significantly ramped up. Well, let's think about it. 
the government's low-fat guidelines were in place as early as the 1970s. Okay? By 1992, we had the food pyramid. The food pyramid being taught in all public schools. 1992 was when the food pyramid really ran crazy, right? So let's stop and think about this. My grandparents, when they were little kids, drank Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola came out in 1862, okay? They drank Coca-Cola and ate mostly bread and grains because they survived the frickin' Great Depression and were trying not to starve, okay? So they were eating sugar, bread, grains, very a large percentage of the time. Meat was like a luxury, right? Now, my parents ate horrific products like Maypo and Crisco for breakfast in the 1960s. Now again, by the 1970s, the government was already pushing low fat, high grain consumption. By the 90s, we had the food pyramid and everything went down the shitter completely. Now this made me think of something. So again, fair warning to anyone who wants to attack me on this, go right ahead. This AMA is my personal opinion based on my observation of all of this. This moving forward is now an opinion piece, okay? That makes anybody happy. So if we can all agree that the standard American diet, anybody worth their weight in the nutrition space, a health person of any kind, right, is going to say food pyramid bad, right? So if we can all agree that the food pyramid is horrific for human health, as Dr. Peter Atia says, Dr. Evil could not have come up with a better plan to kill people using food than the food pyramid, right? So if we can all agree that the standard American diet is horrible for human health, then we must also agree that virtually all nutrition studies were performed on a sick population. Nutrition studies examining the role of nutrition in chronic disease are just about 30 years old. Food pyramid's been there the whole frickin' time. The food pyramid has been the norm throughout all Are you guys seeing the puzzle pieces that I'm putting together here? Like, the food pyramid has literally been preached to us for just about as long as we've been doing high-tech, modern nutrition studies, okay? So when we think about it, with dietary advice of over 60% of caloric, of calories coming from carbohydrates, we're dealing with an entire population of people who are metabolically inflexible. So if we all agree that the standard American diet is horrible for human health, then we must also agree that virtually all nutrition studies were performed on a sick population. These studies were done on these people. Hello. What are we doing here? Okay, so this is where my brain started to break because I'm a fan of science as well. And I'm going, holy shit, this is huge, right? This is huge. So I'm thinking about this, people who are metabolically inflexible. I've talked about metabolically flexible, meaning you can effortlessly, effortlessly switch between a fuel substrate. You can burn glucose, sugar when you need to for glycolytic activity, but you burn fat most of the time when you're in an aerobic state, you're burning fat virtually all of the time. This is called being fat adapted, being called metabolically flexible. Most people in America are metabolically inflexible. So we took all these nutrition studies studying a sick population. 
okay? We took sick people, studied them, and then presented the data as how to be healthy. Whoa, as how to be healthy. That's incredibly dumb. So how does the academic community respond to this? Well, they find guys like me, they find guys like Dave Asprey, they find guys like Josh Axe, they find guys like Gary Tobbs, they find anybody who says, guys, this is really bad. Can we like, do you think maybe we could look at this from another angle? Like, hey guys, there's a lot of holes in this story. There's a lot of people who are sick and dying. And like, I don't know, hey, hey guys, hey, wait up guys. Hey, uh, it looks kind of bad. Maybe just, maybe we could like look at it in a different way than you've been looking at it forever. Like maybe try something different. And they're like, fucking quack, get out of here. Do you have a PhD? What are your credentials, Mr. Musician from Nashville? Get out of here. And I'm like, whoa, okay, cool, man. Never said I was an expert. Like just kind of raised a question for a second. Maybe you should chill out right? Ridiculous. So let me break this down for you in modern terms, okay? So we have, I've said this over and over in AMAs, we have 100 million diabetic or pre-diabetic Americans. 88% of those don't even know that they're diabetic or pre-diabetic. Over seven, you know what? I need to write some of this down. You guys need to see these numbers as many times as possible, okay? 100 million We'll just call it diabetes because they're diabetic or pre-diabetic. 100 million people, 70% plus overweight, 70 plus percent of Americans are overweight, 30 plus percent of Americans are obese. One in two, that's half of all citizens has a chronic disease. One in four has multiple chronic diseases. 27% of children have chronic diseases. What are we doing? I have to caption this video now so people can see what the hell I'm talking about with my terrible chicken scratch. 100 million diabetic and pre-diabetic, over 70% overweight, over 30% obese, one in two Americans has a chronic disease, one in four has multiple chronic diseases, 27% of children have at least one chronic disease. Let's just simplify that and say that the mainstream dietary guidelines fail over 70 percent of the time. What? Actually, let's make that an equal sign. Let's make that accurate, right? 70 plus. So if we look at this, we say the dietary guidelines in America, mainstream advice, fails completely over 70 percent of the time. That's being very generous. It's probably worse than that, but that's being very, very generous, okay? Now the mainstream responds by continuing to waste billions of dollars on horrible nutrition studies, incessantly trying to tweak the current guidelines just slightly in hopes of making things better. And the population gets sicker and fatter with each passing year. So let me ask you a question. I'm gonna put this in terms that literally everybody can understand. So we know that the government dietary guidelines, guidelines fail us over 70% of the time. A thought experiment. If Apple came out, if Apple had a press release, Scott Cook gets on stage, 
So, or we'll call him Scott Apple. <laughs> Scott Cook gets on stage, right? Apple releases, had they have, they have this new press release. CEO of Apple gets out on stage, brand new press release saying, we have this amazing new electronic device. It's incredible, you're going to love it. It only costs $1,000 and it completely fails 70% of the time or more. Would you like to buy my new electronic device? Exactly zero people with a fucking brain in their skull would purchase that device. What would Apple do in response to this? Okay, they launched this new product, price tag of $1,000, fails over 70% of the time, nobody buys it, but they already launched it, the cat's out of the bag, right? Now, would they tweak this device? Would they tweak, tweak, tweak it, little teeny tiny changes, and then repackage it and spit it back out, trying to make it better? No. The CEO would scrap the project altogether. The product would have never made it to market in the first place. And if it did make it to market, he would fire each and every person who had a, even a hand in presenting such a piece of shit product to the general public. He would fire everybody. Game over. That's what would happen with a 70 plus percent fail rate. That, ladies and gentlemen, is what needs to happen with nutrition in America. Again, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm saying we need to start over. Why do we continue to constantly build, 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 tweak, 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 finagle, finagle, finagle upon a foundation of horseshit? Why? Why do we continue to build upon a foundation of complete and utter nonsense? Why would we do that? Why have we not scrapped the project altogether? Now, I'm being a little facetious here because the answer is money, duh. The answer is always money. We can't scrap it, it's too big. It's too big to fail, okay? But it's still, when you look at it on his face, makes zero sense whatsoever. Look at these numbers, look at the fail rate. And then you have people that are willing to get on podcasts and debate calories in versus calories out. Sugar may not be the enemy that you think it is, Mr. Man. Insulin plays other roles than just fat loss, Mr. Man. Why are you fighting for this? It doesn't make any sense, right? Now, let me time check, 840, okay. I'm gonna give you a great example of this. So let's talk about the fitness world for a second. Now in the fitness world, the low carb versus high carb debate rages hotter than any other field of nutrition, wellness, whatever, right? Nonstop, because it's been high carb for decades. Decades after decades, it's been high carb, except again, early bodybuilders, they would use ketogenic diets to cut down for competition. So they knew what keto was, they knew what fat adaptation was, they just didn't have the technical terminology for it, they just knew what their bodies looked like, they experimented, right? But high carb for athletes, particularly endurance athletes, which is crazy, has been the norm for decades and decades. That's literally what all athletes have done, okay? Virtually as long as we've had organized athletics, it's been that way. So for that reason, when low carb blew up, everyone's talking low carb this, low carb, oh my God, so many low carb people. When they started running nutrition studies on athletes, they've done these really small studies like how does keto affect CrossFitters or how does keto affect endurance performance and all these things. Now, what happens is the results are always the same because these people don't think big picture, again. What happens is the athletes see a negative impact in performance. But why? Well, if you're a Clovis client, odds are you've experienced at least a little bit of a sugar detox and the process of becoming fat adapted. 
Most Americans, again, are metabolically broken. They can only burn one substrate for fuel. They can only burn glucose. That's it. They're just metabolically broken from constant carbohydrate consumption. And most nutrition studies, like I pointed out, are quite short. They're usually a matter of weeks, two weeks, four weeks. Maybe you'll get six weeks. Maybe you'll get 12 weeks. Holy crap, right? So you're testing athletes on performance output after completely shocking their system, taking away the only fuel substrate that their body knows how to burn, and then asking them to perform the same way they always have. And when they do slightly worse, they go, keto's bad for performance. Nah. Black and white answer, simplicity, right? It's crazy. So this is why, for instance, with my MMA fighters, any MMA fighter that comes to me, I'm going to get them fat adapted. It's something that I'm going to do. But if they come to me and say, I'm entering fight camp for the next six weeks and I need your help, I'm not going to make them fat adapted. I'm gonna work within the confines of them being metabolically inflexible. It doesn't make sense for me to do something that could short-term decrease their performance when they're in something like a fight camp. I'm not going to do that because I kinda of know what I'm doing a little bit, right, you know? So if a fighter comes to me and I wanna make them fat adapted, I have to do that outside of a fight camp. I have to do that when performance is not critical, okay? Now, there's a simple fix for this and they did it. Okay, making sure that the test subjects are metabolically flexible prior to beginning the study. Somebody should do this, right? Well, they did. It's called the FASTER study. The title of this study is actually called Metabolic Characteristics of Keto-Adapted Ultra-Endurance Runners. Oh, and they tracked the athletes for 20 months. And the conclusion was, Compared to highly trained ultra-endurance athletes consuming a high-carbohydrate diet, long-term keto adaptation results in extraordinarily high rates of fat oxidation, whereas muscle glycogen utilization and, and repletion patterns during and after a three-hour run are similar. Layman's terms, the keto athletes burned way more fat and burn the same amount of glycogen when necessary. That's the idea of metabolic flexibility. In a glycolytic demand, you will burn glucose. The rest of the time, you should be aerobic and burning fat. So you see, you can run the same test on two different individuals, one fat adapted, one not fat adapted, and get very different results. It's the fat adaptation piece that is never tested in low carb studies with obese individuals or these metabolic ward studies or anything like that. So that's my problem with this whole fitness first mentality. Insulin is not your enemy, it's just calories, blah, 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 blah. There are tons and tons of incredibly intelligent, very well credentialed people out in the fitness industry who get insanely good results using old school calorie counting, high grain consumption, high sugar, high carbohydrate, intake and bodybuilding. Generally speaking, they're getting insanely good results in other healthy people. Now, arguably the crazy competition bodybuilding stuff is not healthy. That's a whole different ball game when you get to that level of body fat and all that. But see, a personal trainer or somebody with a, a master's in nutrition or a master's in exercise physiology or something like that, when they need to take a fit guy from 14% body fat to 10% body fat, there's a certain way to do that. The issue is they know how to do that very well. And then they come over here and they say, hey, obese client, look what I did to that guy. He has six pack abs. Don't you want to do his plan? 
Here's his plan. You better do it accordingly. And if you don't, you don't get the results, it's your fault. Because look, that guy did it. He did it. Ha ha. He has more discipline than you. He has more willpower than you do. He works harder than you do. Look, same exact plan. He has shredded six pack. You have big fat rolls, right? Your fault, your fault, your fault. It's the same plan. Do you guys see how stupid this is? How like astronomically short-sighted this is? And the fitness industry blames them for not getting results in the same plan. So what ends up happening is you get these bubbles, these vacuums online. All the jacked shredded people stick together and point fingers at everyone else and say, you're doing it wrong, listen to me because I'm ripped, okay? There's another reason why I talk about why I'm not shirtless in my Clovis stuff. I don't need to be shirtless with abs and blah, 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 blah. Yes, can you find me shirtless deadlifting on my personal page, Justin Nall? Yes, of course you can, right? But my body and my results have nothing to do with the obese and overweight individuals who come to me. I'm not gonna give them the same plan that I'm on. That's absolutely crazy. This is why I do customized individual nutrition. That's why I do this. I don't blame them. The problem to this is staring us in the face. Some humans are metabolically healthy. Some humans are not. That's it. It's that simple. These two groups will not experience the same results on the same protocols. It's not gonna happen. So there's nothing worse to me than when these fitness people come in and they say, you tell people to lower their insulin to lose body fat. You must be a quack because if insulin made you fat, then how are all these bodybuilders so shredded and jacked? Clearly insulin's good, right? Well, because a metabolically healthy individual with low body fat doesn't have to worry about insulin, insulin resistance, right? A metabolically healthy individual with low body fat doesn't have to worry about insulin resistance the same way an obese person with metabolic syndrome has to worry about insulin resistance. For the love of God, is it that hard to wrap your head around that not everybody is the same? Metabolically speaking, the levels of health are very, very different. They're all across the board, right? There's a reason, this is the reason, let me tell you right now, most of you are gonna look at the screen and be like, yeah, exactly, he's right. This is the reason why most overweight people hate going to the gym. We laugh about New Year's resolutions and all these things. There's a reason why overweight people hate going to the gym because that shit doesn't work for them. At least not at first. It's miserable and it doesn't work because they're not metabolically healthy yet. Can we please, for the love of God, help these people get healthy before we send them into the gym and kick the fucking shit out of them and make them punish their bodies endlessly? and then tell them to go home and eat less food and we don't care if you're hungry, eat less? Please? Can we maybe do that, you fucking assholes? Like, I don't even know who I'm, that, that, that basically was a blanket entire fitness industry. Change your mind. What are we doing? It's absolutely crazy. Everybody is different. Every human body is different. The metabolic health varies tremendously from person to person to person to person. It's the same way if I'm dealing with an obese individual who is obese and not yet metabolic syndrome, not yet insulin resistant, not yet type two diabetes, I have a little bit more leeway with that person than I do with the obese person who has metabolic syndrome. Even if they're the same weight, the same body fat percentage. One may be insulin resistant, one may not. I have to treat them differently. What are we doing? I don't treat a type one diabetic like a type two diabetic. Anyway, that's my presentation, everybody. I don't even know what to do with this. Like I'm, I'm so 
I don't even know. I'm spe- I literally just made myself speechless with that rant. It's, I'm just tired of these people, man. We, gotta, we have to stop blaming sick people for being sick. That's it. Stop blaming sick people for being sick. The population has been following dietary government guidelines for decades. They've been trying to do what they're told. They've been trying to lower fat. They've been trying to increase carbohydrates. They've been trying to eat less sugar and we pack it in every single packaged food and we don't teach people how to read ingredients labels. And then when they get fat and they're dealing with something like metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance and we give them the same plan that we gave the 16-year-old bodybuilder and expect the 40-year-old overweight woman to get results, we give them the same plan, the same P90X bullshit. And it doesn't work and we blame them. This is demented, everybody. Demented, okay? And I, I hope this goes out as an, as an episode online and I hope I get hate for it. Because there's nobody out there that gives me this hate online that would ever, ever, ever talk to me like that in person. It just wouldn't happen. So somewhere along the line, we got to wake up. We need to understand what empathy is and we need to start helping people. And the academics out there who want to get on podcasts and debate one another while you both have a six pack can go fuck yourself. You're not helping anybody. There we go. AMA number 63. What would you guys like to talk about? I'm going to open it up for questions. (laughs) That's it. 8.51. We got plenty of time for some questions, everybody. I'm getting heated. I'm I'm taking my socks off on an AMA. I'm going to strip right here. I don't even care. I got hot, everybody. Anyway, what'd you think? AMA number 63. Let me know your thoughts. Come on. Let's hear them. What's up? Somebody give me some comments. I think I've, I've, I've silenced the people somehow. Sorry about that. There was a lot that needed to come out there, I guess. Welcome to the land of Clovis and ask me anything. So um, I have a notebook with some questions in it. I could go into AMAs if you guys want me to. or um, that, I mean, that's really all I have prepared for you. So what else we got? Anybody have any questions? Any things you'd like to talk about? Hit me. I'll just hang out. I'll hang out as long as I need to. Somebody's going to have a question. Or did you learn anything tonight? Just tell me if you learned anything. Click the like button. Click the happy button. Click the, the laughy face. Click the wow face. Whatever. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy to just go back and look at the way that these things line up. When we look at the statistics, when we look at nutrition studies, again, we do this thing where we just think that everything has been around forever, right? Everybody knows about calories. Everybody knows about chronic disease. Everybody knows about metabolism. No, we've been studying this stuff for like 30 years. We don't know shit, <laughs> you know? So the, people do this thing where they say, well, where's the science? Tell me the science, Mr. Clovis. Tell me the science that gives you the right to help people change their lives. I don't need to. I can show you the picture of the person who can fit two of themselves in their old pants. I can show you that. And I'm not willing to wait for the academic community to catch up while these numbers are going on in the country that I live in. I'm simply not willing to do that. So the other influences or academics or whatever can do whatever they want. I'm going to be working on this every day. And I'm not interested in debating anybody about it. Okay? That's Clovis. So true. Science is wrong. Who knew? Science is just poorly done. It's a field that's next to impossible. It's like I told you, the metabolic awards. How are you going to do that? 
How are you going to get thousands of people in a metabolic ward and study them for five years? That'd be considered like cruel and unusual punishment. You can't do it. For sure learned. What else you guys got? We've been misled for a very long time and health is declining. Yes, absolutely. One more person posts the egg study. I will spit. Yes. The egg study is insane. And the egg study is one of those things where this isn't like, hey guys, I'm Justin from Clovis and I've studied biochemistry and I have nutrition certifications and I've been a nerd for years and years and this is my life's passion and I'm obsessed with it. And that's how I dissected that study. No, 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 no. Any human in the world, you could take a five-year-old and walk them through that study. Maybe not a five-year-old, but you could take anybody, virtually anybody, and walk them through that study and they go, huh? How did, where did this egg thing come from? How did they connect those dots? Those dots aren't even in the same universe. How did we do this? It's just insane. And then your friends online will literally like post it on Facebook like very confidently. See? This is why I eat egg whites. I'm like, you dummy, you're wasting perfectly good yolk. It's crazy. Thank you for being you. You continue to make me reevaluate everything I learned growing up and all of my habits and biases. That's amazing. I love that. What about studies that have been done in other parts of the world that aren't as metabolically broken as America? Um, good question. We could explore those. I don't have great examples of them. If you do, send them my way. Um, but you have to remember as well that even still, this is such a young field so when you go back and look at like how long we've even been able to look at cells under a microscope, look, or, right? Or like leptin is a very new, I, th I think leptin was discovered in the, the 90s, maybe the 90s, I'm pretty sure. Um, I could be totally wrong about that. If I am, sorry. Um, but like we didn't even know about leptin until very recently. The human genome was not even mapped until 2002, right? We, we, know, we still know very little. So there could be other studies going on in other places. We know that there are horrific studies going on in places like China where they're literally like cloning people. Look it up, like really scary stuff. <laughs> um, so I'm sure there's all sorts of studies being done around the world. Um, and the unfortunate thing is it's gonna get worse as more countries become more westernized. So there may be studies from prior decades that we could look into, um, but it's only gonna get worse as the Western diet pushes east. What else we got? I heard from a coworker today a local doctor gave your advice to her to cut sugar and carbs and use healthy oils and butter and read Grain Brain. I'm so happy for her. We had a great discussion today. That's amazing. About six weeks ago, my bench was around 175. Tonight, I am supposed to bench 165 for 25 reps. That's amazing, dude. Congratulations. Sue, I am so happy to be a Clovis member. I feel so much better and I am healthier than I have been in a long time. Hell yeah. Love it. Fantastic. You guys are awesome. I mean, crazy. It's, I, I really surprised myself there at the end because I usually don't, I don't know. I don't like to, I don't like to actually put negativity out in the world. So I kind of feel, you know, certain things you shouldn't say, but here we are. And this is the, the beauty of going live of all of my content being live. So, uh, yeah, it's tricky. It's just, it's so, so frustrating. It's just so hard to get the dogma gone just to get people to rethink things in a, in a in a way that's just seems to be common sense you know what i mean this feels like common sense to me when you start spelling it out but people just dig their heels in they dig their heels in you know and i don't know if it's because they spent 200 grand on medical school and they're mad and they don't want or 200 grand on a master's degree in nutrition and they don't want to admit that what was in their textbooks probably wasn't as accurate as they think it is i don't know what i really don't know what the deal is but it's pretty crazy and all I know is that I have a staggering amount of results and a staggering amount of people through Clovis. 
and that's it, right? So you just let the results speak for themselves. I think going forward, um, results are going to speak for themselves. I think that's what's going to happen. There's a book out called Undoctored, uh, talking about how so many people in the population are moving away from conventional medicine. Um, obviously, guys like Chris Kresser have things like unconventional medicine. So in the medicine space, this is already happening. Healthcare is going to look very different five to ten years from now, if it even exists as we know it today. Um, a lot of things are going to be changing. So thanks to the spread of the internet and all these things, the spread of information, people can't hide behind these old ways of doing things for very, very long. Eventually, they just, they just get exposed and that's all there is to it. So I do hope that new studies are performed that test these hypotheses in the way that I say, right? So if you take 20 people and put them in a metabolic ward and some of them have a caloric surplus of high fat, some of them have a caloric surplus of high carb, and then you compare the weight gain, why wouldn't you just do the same metabolic ward study? Let's say you have 40 people and in one of the studies, 10 of the people are metabolically flexible, 10 of them are metabolically inflexible. 10 get the high carb, 10 get the high fat. Then you have another metabolic ward and just flip it around. You know, the metabolically flexible people get a high carbohydrate diet or the metabolically inflexible people get a high fat diet. Just switch it up. You need those, basically those four variables with four different groups of people in two giant studies. Do that, right? But it costs millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. It's really crazy, you know? Hard to do. And nobody makes money off it. When those results come out and flip the food pyramid on its head, that's why they don't want it to happen. You know, I'm too healthy. I want my money back. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'll buy you all new clothes. Don't worry. Just kidding. Don't hold me to that. I'm not buying any of you new clothes. You should use them like parachutes or something. <laughs> that is exactly why we watch you, Julie. That is exactly why we watch you. No beating around the damn bush. Thank you. Yes, you're very welcome. Let's publish an article about Clovis and the results. Yeah, exactly. It's better than a food questionnaire article. We know. Hey. Look, this is called the Clovis study. Here's the list of food they ate. Ta-da! Should be that simple, right? But, I mean, you just, you'd be shocked. And I know a lot of you guys know this. It's, a lot of this comes from, you know, what I'm dealing with today, the way I'm talking to the camera and everything comes from being attacked by some people on social media and, like, just really mean, nasty things, you know? And, um, uh-oh. Make sure I'm back here. Hold on, because it's way delayed and I don't know if it just cut me off. I hope not. Does it say live? Yeah, okay, still says live. Sorry, that was crazy. My alarm on my phone went off. That's never happened in a live before. I didn't realize I have to turn the alarm off while I'm live. So anyway, hey, I'm back. Here we are, live. It's AMA number, 70, uh, number 63. I'm calling it Studying Studies. Um, really should be more of like observing studies is really probably what the title of this should be. But I like the wordplay of studying studies. That's more fun. Um, it's 9 p.m. Unless you guys have any uh, any questions or anything, we can wrap this one up early. Um, I am doing mass gains and I have to eat like literally like 1,400 calories left before bed. It's going to be brutal. So uh, I got to go take off and do that and examine how bad were the things that I said tonight. Not that bad. It's no big deal. I'm not worried about it. But anyway, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to me. Um, really, uh, there's been some incredible testimonies in Clovis lately that got me all emotional and stuff. And it reminds me of, of why I do this. And I had uh, spent a, a significant amount of time today not working. And I gotta be honest with you. Spent a significant amount of time not working and talking to some very close people who I care about very much on the phone today about some of the things that have been going on, the growth of Clovis, 
the negativity that I was faced with on social media and just this work that I do and why I do it and why I'm going to continue. And, um, yeah, anyway, so I will continue and I'm going to work as hard as I can for you guys and change as many lives as I can. As you guys know, there's a big Amazon giveaway happening right now. Uh, if you are an I am Clovis member. So if you're not an I am Clovis member, go to IamClovis.com slash start and I can actually hook you up with a free 30 serving bag of paleo powder. So that's happening, but I got just bombarded with emails from that. I really didn't think that through. Um, so my, my email inbox just got kind of blown up. So I promise you there's custom plans that I need to make. There are answers to I am Clovis members who have specific questions about nutrition. So I'm going to answer those. The inbox will get to inbox zero. Each and every person will be answered and that should happen no later than midday tomorrow. That's literally today a little bit blown up, but literally tomorrow, the only thing on my list is you guys, my I am Clovis members. You are 100% my priority tomorrow. As you guys know, if you email me, you get a response. I promise you that is going to happen. So I'm going to knock all that out tomorrow. Um, some exciting stuff happening behind the scenes. You're going to see some changes coming up that I'm super excited about. Crazy, crazy excited. Um, so anyway, I love you guys. Tyler, I believe in you. I believe in you, brother. Thank you, Tyler. That means the world to me, man. You know that. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you, lovely. Christine, no worries. You were great as always. Thank you so much. Jessica, thank you. This was amazing. Judy, 130 days ago, sat on the couch. Now I am chasing a six-year-old and I'm 11 month and an 11 month old, but no problem. I'm also 61. I am Clovis. Hell yeah, you're Clovis, Judy. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I know you're out uh, babysitting your kids for a while, right? You're there for like several months. So that's awesome. Uh, well, your grandkids. So congratulations. I'm so glad you're running around with the grandkids. That makes me very, very happy. Those non-scale victories are like my absolute favorite. When your quality of life improves, that's why I do this. So anyway, I've been rambling long enough, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. AMA number 63, Studying Studies. My name is Justin Nault. Email me if you need me, justin iamclovis.com. Go join the Clovis Academy. Work with me one-on-one, iamclovis.com slash start, iamclovis.com slash start. I would love to change your life. Really, more like help you change your own life. Thank you guys. Justin Nault, AMA number 63. I'm out. Thanks. Good night. Bye.